You are listening to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force, bringing more humanity to today's workplaces. You are enjoying our special edition coverage recorded live from Austin, Texas, and Work Human 18. And now, here are today's hosts. Good afternoon and welcome back to Work Human Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Rayanne Thorne. This is going to be an important conversation. Talent brand is kind of a new thing that we really haven't talked about much on this show. I'm looking forward we to getting haven't. into it. We haven't. We've talked a lot about employee engagement, retention, and many other aspects of human resources. This is a, a fairly new area that HR is starting to really think about and dive into. So I'm looking forward to hearing some insights, some actual statistics about why it's important. Well, and these two just delivered a presentation, which we're going to get into in great detail. So let's welcome to the show, Kate Hastings, Senior Director of Insights at LinkedIn. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're happy to have you. We're also joined by Holly Lignelli. She's the head of Enterprise Talent Brand. Holly, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you guys. So, uh, Holly, I'll ask you to lead off. Uh, tell us about the work that you're doing. Yes. So, my global team works with uh, about 200 of our largest, most complex global organizations to help them think through strategically how to best position their culture within Talent Brand. Outstanding. And, uh, Kate, uh, most of us are obviously familiar with LinkedIn, but talk about the work that you're doing there. Yeah, I lead the insights team. So that's about 150 data analysts who take LinkedIn's data and use it to help our customers be more successful in their hiring strategies and also their sales, marketing, and learning strategies. Outstanding. Well, ladies, I appreciate you making time to join us. No, you're awfully busy here in an event like Work Human, so <laughs> grateful for that. All right, so Holly, lead us off and give us that 10,000-foot view of what your all's presentation was all about. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Um, so essentially, we're at a, we're at a really interesting point uh, in time uh, in the industry in that uh, we have more data and we have more insights than we've ever had access to before to help us as an organization, uh, as, a, as an industry, make more thoughtful, more strategic decisions about a variety of different things. How we think about attracting talent, how we think about hiring talent, how we think about nurturing that talent. Um, who's going where and where they're coming from. Um, you know, workforce planning. There's, there's so much data at our fingertips. So we're at a really important point uh, in time, and I think the, t the time is now to really start having this conversation um, because it's, it's really critical to our survival. And I think what's interesting is that marketing has actually been doing this for years. Mm -hmm. They've been using brand studies and consumer studies to really help shape their messaging and help shape their consumer brand. So um, this, is, this is really something, a, a trend that you know, HR has been thinking about and has been gaining a lot more traction over the last couple of years. Um, but really, I think it's, it's kind of coming to a head now, and I think in a very exciting way, I think especially with some of the work Work, um, that Kate and her team are doing um, to really help leverage the goodness of data and insights to supercharge talent brand. So essentially today, um, went through a bit of uh, you know definition around what is branding and you know spent some time looking at you know your corporate and your consumer brand and how important that is uh, and how they can really amplify your talent brand. And then uh, Kate spent so, uh, you know a fair amount of time talking through you know how do we think about measuring culture? It's it's difficult, right? Um, how do we think about measuring the impact of all of these things? And um, you know she had some you know some really helpful suggestions um, and some really pointed to some really 
really interesting work that her team was doing uh, in that space. So um, talent brand and insights, you know, again, they kind of, there, there's a reason why Kate's team uh, is high on the MVP list of mm -hmm. my team in terms of uh, internal partners, because we can't be good at what we do without what her, without what her team does. Um, so the two things are, are coming together very nicely, and I think uh, we're helping our customers make some really important progress by pairing the two together. Okay, so when you consider your um, presentation and the talking about data, and I love insights, that that's part of the title. I mean, I, I think it's so much more important to say insights than analysis, because that indicates that I have to do math or I have to look at numbers, you know, whereas insights really gives you an idea. This is what's behind all of it, right? So when you, when you consider your data that you've looked at, the insights that you've gained, is there one piece that's overlooked more, more than any other pieces of data that you're looking at? Yeah, the thing that I think people underutilize is um, benchmarks. So I think a lot of times people get caught up in all of the data that they have available internally to them. And where I think there's a real opportunity is to contextualize that by looking at different companies and how they're thinking about different things. So an example would be, if you're thinking about your software engineers and the gender breakdown in your software engineers and you think, I've got 30% mm. women, um, and I really need to get to parity. Well, you start to look at some benchmarks of other companies who are maybe at 15% and 18%, and that might inform you that you're actually doing well relative to benchmarks and to double down on the strategies you have rather than reverse course. This is an, uh, an overused cliche, and I hate to do it, but I think <laughs> contextually it helps those listening better understand kind of what you're coming from here. It's the classic case of, yeah, we're good at collecting data. We have all the tools and all the things <laughs> to get it all, but as you said, right. we don't do anything to pull insights out of it. So I'll ask each of you to comment on this, uh, this notion of, all right, what are, let's set the, I'll call it a benchmark here. Let's set a, the, draw the red line in the sand. All right, what are most organizations struggling with or not doing or not doing well with regards to their data and, and so that they can say, oh, that's us. So now I know there's an opportunity to do something cool here. So, so uh, Kate, I'll ask you to lead off with that. Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of times people start at the surface level and they get to a trend and then they walk away and they say, okay, here's the trend. Here's our level of attrition and they walk away from that. But what I think is really interesting and really valuable is diving much, much deeper down into that question. So let's say we're talking about attrition and we say we've got, you know, 15% attrition. Well, what functions are making up that 15%? And is it 25% in sales? Then start benching, benchmarking that to competitors. And then start saying, are we losing our highest quality people? Or are we retaining them? And starting to put some more context on that. And then something that we talked about earlier today in our presentation is bringing in those anecdotes. So it's one thing, once again, to say we lost four people to this particular competitor, this particular startup. But to say, we lost our four best salespeople to a startup in the last quarter starts to create that burning platform for you to change the behaviors. And I don't think the data is useful unless you are going to make a change in your approach, unless you are going to better your company um, with a new strategy. Holly? Yeah, I think one of the challenges that I see is, uh, you know, companies who go really, really broad and try to, try to you know, boil the ocean, right? I, I love Kate's perspective where, you know, you pick a spot and you go deep on it and you layer in some anecdotes that provide some really rich contextualization to exactly what's going on. It's really hard to do that um, when you are trying to tackle, when you're going a mile wide and an inch deep, right? So, um, you know, a lot of times my, my team will be asked for, you know, sort of everything under the sun, right? Like, just give me everything because I'm not sure which where I'm going to pick my spot. And 
um, you know, sometimes you sort of walk into those presentations and people's eyes just glaze over because it's a lot to take on and it feels very overwhelming and it feels very burdensome. Right? So I think if you pick your spots, if you pick the two to three things that your organization cares the most about, and it could be you know, alignment from the top down at the leadership level, it could be you know, sort of bottoms up trends that you want to go deeper on because you think you've got something there, you know, trust your gut and then listen to those around you and use that to really inform your strategy in the spots that you pick and how deep that you go. I love that I'm talking to two women who work in a tech company as a, as a woman who, and LinkedIn ultimately is a technology company. I think that we get so caught up in it being what it is. It's its own thing. You know, it's such a, a big part of human resources. It's a big part of um, somebody who wants to professionally present themselves to the world. And as a woman that works in technology, I, would, I want to go back to um, the comment made earlier about benchmarking when, it, when we're talking about hiring software engineers and recognizing that we need to have some more parity. And, and I don't know if you saw recently that Starbucks made the announcement that they have pay equity has gone across the board. So when, when we consider the things that have to do specifically with um, really evening out the diversity as far as gender diversity in your organization and, and gender equity when it comes to pay. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts about hiring women today? Is, does it, I, I'm worried, I love being a woman in technology, but I'm worried that there are so much that people that work in an organization that wants this feels overwhelmed and sees it as a, as a problem instead of an opportunity to really embrace what diversity brings to the table, which is better. It's a better organization because you're listening to everybody and you're hiring everybody. So my biggest concern is that there there will be this, I, I wanna stay away from that, it's hard to talk about, we've got the Me Too movement, I just, it's too much to think about. So what do you think we can do to, to bridge that and, and make sure that, I mean, you obviously are having an impact on this in your own organization. Yeah. What kind of advice can you give to other organizations that are looking at talent brand, that are looking at hiring, so that they're making this impact on benchmarking and pay equity and so forth? I think it starts from the inside. I think it's like your talent brand is a reflection of your culture. And if you don't have a culture that embraces diverse perspectives to begin with, then you don't have an external story to share. Has to start there first. That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. And so um, Kate and I are, um, you know, very, very thankful, I think, beneficiaries of a program that uh, LinkedIn started for uh, women in leadership um, a few years ago called the oh, WIN program. Wonderful. And so there are three pillars that it's really uh, anchored around. Number one, it's, it's attract. How do we make sure that we tell the strongest story possible about an inclusive brand and an inclusive culture to, uh, you know, key talent pools of women that, that we want to get on the radar screen and we want to attract. The second piece is culture. Really thinking very deeply about our culture with a, with, with, with a critical eye and not being afraid to actually call out where things aren't working or things don't necessarily line up. And that means having a very open, honest, and constructive dialogue, not only with each other, but also um, you know, between men and women and at, at all levels of the organization. The third pillar is invest, and so um, Kate and I have been the beneficiary of this program where um, the, the business actually is invested in a, in a two-day workshop um, for high potential and senior women leaders where um, you spend some time with a, um, an executive, uh, executive coach and some of your peers over a two-day period, and you work through a variety of different things, like what is your own personal brand, what are some of the things that you find challenging in this workplace, and you walk away with that not only of a better understanding of yourself, but you walk away with that um, with a with with a network of women where you know you sort of get back to your 
your desk and things start happening and um, emails come in and you get back to the minutia of day to day, you have a network of women who have gone through the same experience that you've gone through that you can tap into. And so there's been probably, I think, five or six cohorts um, of this program so far. And um, it keeps growing, and uh, there's there's been a, a pretty substantial network um, that's grown. So I think that that's a story that we tell externally. I think it's probably a story that we can tell better. But um, there's been a huge ERG movement um, within LinkedIn, um, not just around sort of gender diversity, but you know um, racial diversi right, diversity right. as well, and you know sexual orientation. We've looked at it from a variety of different angles. That's uh, that's really starting to get some serious momentum. Kate, anything you want to add there? Yeah, I would say that you um, diversity isn't really a choice. You can't choose not to be a diverse company because you will lose. We've seen that diverse teams win, and if you want to be a winner, if you want to be successful in, in any industry, but particularly the tech industry, then you have to be diverse, and I think we're seeing that more and more. And so I feel like the investments that we're making are... Um, in the best possible sense, self-serving. We are trying to improve our company. We are trying to perform better, um, and, and diversity is a huge part of that. Holly, I want to dive into, explore a little further this idea of talent brand. We all know, sadly, there are many, many, many people working in organizations that don't even know what their company brand is. They don't even have a good sense of what the culture is about. I mean, so let alone when they hear talent brand. Uh, what is, so what is that, why does it matter? And why is it important to think about that? It matters a lot because you're gonna be hiring people. And so you have a choice, right? You can either uh, let the voices, you can let other people's voices tell that story for you, or you can have a, uh, a clear and consistent message and story that is based on anecdotes of people's relationship, with, like relationship of working with you. Um, that You put that out into the universe that um, can help, you know, either like motivate or color the experience that your candidates have with you. Because, you know, one of the statistics that I shared is that, um, you know, someone needs to see a message anywhere in the ballpark of about five to seven times before they before it actually sticks. They have to before they can actually retain it. And so, uh, you know, candidates more so now than ever are acting like consumers. There's a lot of information out there that they can point to where they can go research um, their next professional adventure, right? And that's probably one of the most important decisions where we're going to make in our lifetime. So better to believe that candidates are researching the heck out of it these days. And so you have a choice as an organization, right? You can um, just sort of leave it up to chance and that candidate does a Google search and whatever comes up comes up and that's what paints the picture for them. Or you can actually own your talent brand and tell that story through very carefully curated um, uh, anecdotes that come not only from you know your organization, but the employees that have a relationship with you, the employees that work with you, um, to really tell a very you know true and authentic on-brand story. I, I love that you said that because that is exactly what we were telling people about their personal brand. Own it. That's right. Don't, you go out, push the content out. Don't wait for somebody to Google you and then find some obscure thing. Have those first five pages of information be all about what you have created yourself, right? Really go in and create that content yourself and make a difference. That's right. So I, I love that, that you said that. Um, to that end, let's talk about how LinkedIn has done this, right? We've got a lot of connecting, request for connection happening on LinkedIn, it's a big part of your brand, right? The whole connectivity thing. And um, building and, and nurturing personal brands on top of corporate brands. I've been a part of the LinkedIn network for, I think, since the very beginning. I remember as a, a recruiter 
joining and thinking, this is going to have an impact on my work, right? And it definitely has, as recruiters and HR professionals have found, LinkedIn is the place to, to live online better than other, other social media uh, channels. So our... Um, are the, are connections still important? Is it still an important part of LinkedIn? Yeah, it absolutely is. It's the basis. So everything we do at LinkedIn is members first. We talk about this. There isn't a day that goes by where we don't talk about the members first value and how we can think about making something that is valuable to the members who are on our platform. And all our businesses revolve around that value. Um, so as we think about our vision and mission, which is connecting the world's, uh, at the world's professionals to economic opportunity, um, we think about that. We think about those members and what they're on LinkedIn and what they're trying to achieve on LinkedIn. And so we do that through our talent solutions, our sales solutions, our marketing solutions, and now our learning solutions. That is literally the lens through which we make every single decision. Is it members first? And if it's not, then we kill it. So wow. I'll ask each of you to comment on this. Uh, I get a kick out of this question because we're here at Work Human. The whole gist here is to bring humanity back <laughs> to the workplace, right? But then you're telling us we've got to be studying data and <laughs> doing analysis and looking for insights and all math. that. Math. I and don't want math. <laughs> and there are some folks that say, well, that, that's that kind of a disconnect. So walk us through how we can look, use data as a way to bring humanity to our workplace. I'll ask you to start, Kate. Yeah, I think finding the human in the data is absolutely critical. And it comes back to this idea of layering that anecdote on top of the data. So I gave an example earlier today where I was talking to um, the leaders of my business and saying, I've got a nutrition problem in the Dublin office. In my Dublin office, I'm getting, um, there's a company that's poaching people on my team. And they said, okay, but you know, we lose people all the time. It doesn't seem that urgent. But then I said, the woman who is responsible for the last three financial times citations that we've had has left the company. And as soon as it became personal, as soon as people could link that back to their own experience, that's when they started to sit up and take notice. So I think the data is really important. I mean, wow. I lead insights and it's hugely critical. But without that storytelling aspect of it, without making it personal, I don't think people are going to make decisions on it. And we've been talking about big data forever in HR, right? How is it going to impact? I remember five years ago, six years ago, when it was the buzzword, you know, everything was hashtag big data. I really appreciate that now we have a story behind the data and there is an opportunity for um, HR professionals, practitioners, anybody that's using this data to really make that connection. Why is this one department, why, are, why is there turnover? Why are there more complaints coming from this one location? And really being able to look at it and making an impact on retention and employee engagement is huge. Yeah. All right, so Holly, so someone says, listens to this and says, okay, I know I have an opportunity to do better here and make better use of my data. How in the heck do I start? What pieces of data do I not need to look at? What do I, I mean, how do you, it's an impossible question to ask on a short radio interview, but how do you begin <laughs> to figure out the strategy behind getting off in the right direction on that? Yeah, I think the good news, Todd, is that the answer is actually pretty straightforward. It's, you know, again, it, it's kind of getting back to what I mentioned before. It's pick your spots, right? Don't boil the ocean. Don't feel like you can solve or answer every single question um, that is out there in the universe. I think it's it, it start with your executive leadership. Start bottom down. Like, do a, do a th 360 on sort of the the state of the union within your organization and figure out, all right, you know, where are some of the challenges? Where's the problems? Where are some of the things that, what are some of the things that we're doing really well? And use that to actually build your jumping off point, right? If you don't have a jumping off point, if you don't have a gut feel 
going into um, the process of not only mining that data, but also making sense of it, you're going to be wandering aimlessly. And I see, you know, I, I'm guilty of it. I've seen some of our customers do that. And so the most important thing that you can do is really go in there with a hypothesis mm -hmm. around what you think you're looking for and then go in specifically after those data points to actually help you prove or disprove that hypothesis. That's when the that's when the conversation gets really interesting. Anything to add? Yeah, a perfect example is the way that Holly and I have used Bravo points in our organizations where we, we started with the business question and I think the top-down framework is exactly right, which is what are you trying to answer? And so we went in saying, who are the outstanding people who are truly demanding excellence on our teams? We went in and we found the people who were rewarded with the most Bravo points specifically for demanding excellence. And then we could start to think about what their behaviors were and how we could leverage them across the organization. All right, so final discussion here before we wrap things up. So we are here at Work Human 18. Uh, what I love about the Work Human idea and the Work Human movement is that it means a little something different to everyone because there's a nuance to it that's special to them. So uh, what I want to do is, Kate, I'll ask you to lead us off. Uh, what does the idea of Work Human and the Work Human movement mean to you? Yeah. Well, I'm sitting beneath this pretty incredible quotation from Michelle Obama. You have to, you have the right to be exactly who you are. And I feel that that's really personally resonant for me. So I feel like I can absolutely be myself at LinkedIn. Um, I can be a working mom. And that makes me feel like I am a human coming to work. It's not just a, another resource, another human resource, but truly a human who's, who's bringing the best of me to the organization. And, and once again, Michelle Obama put it really succinctly and really eloquently. Pretty much sums it up in one sentence, right? <laughs> Holly, what about you? I think it kind of encapsulates what I love most about working in this industry. It's about human capital. It's about the experiences. It's about um, opening up doors. It's about nurturing talent. It's about you know helping them reach their um, about reaching their potential. I think that's what I love most about um, working in this industry. And I don't know, I just think the whole human element, I think it's really easy to get sort of mired in sort of the, the, um, the process of HR, the process that we sort of have to, like those battles that we need to sort of fight internally day in and day out, mm. um, get really mired in the data and how do we make sense of all this data? How do we bring insights to the surface? But at the end of the day, we are, we are a human organization. That is what HR is here to do. For sure. Like, make the most of the human capital that we have. And, um, you know, again, I think it's, it's important to get back to those roots. And that's why I love so much the whole sort of theme and tenor um, of what we've been talking about and what we'll talk about over the next couple of days. I, th I think it's why this event has just exponentially grown. It's, it's a different vibe, a different feeling for HR. You can feel so it. Really, uh, you you can really feel it. Can. It's palpable. Absolutely. Yeah. You really can. No doubt about it. All right, ladies, we're about out of time. Holly, uh, where can people go to, to connect with you and learn about your work? LinkedIn, of course. Oh, hey. <laughs> so Holly Lignelli. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. What, about right. you? what about you, Kate? That's right. Kate Hastings on LinkedIn.com. All, right. <laughs> All right. Outstanding. Kate Hastings, Senior Director of Insights at LinkedIn, and Holly Lignelli, Head of Enterprise Talent Brand. Ladies, it was great to have you. Thanks so much. Thank Stop you both. By and joining Thanks us. for having us. All right. It's all the time we have for now. Todd and Rayanne signing off from Austin, Texas. Uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Join that Work Human Movement, and we'll see you next time. Work Human Radio is brought to you by GloboForce, pioneers of the Work Human Movement. GloboForce helps make work more human for millions of people and organizations worldwide. Learn more by visiting workhuman.com. And join the Work Human Movement by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and the Work Human Community Forum on LinkedIn.
Thanks again for listening to Work Human Radio.